0: Good morning, everyone, and come on in. Welcome to Virtual Church at First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque. Today is Palm Sunday, April tenth, 2022. My name is Matt Parjeter Villarreal. I am the intern minister here at First Unitarian and your service leader for this morning. I have the pleasure of being joined in worship by our senior minister, the Reverend Angela Herrera, worship leader John Eldridge and our tech team of DJ Chris Paul and ushers Michaela Renz Whitmore, Barry Clark and Pamela Livingston. Our TFAA was prepared by a guest, the Reverend Megan Lines, and our music is courtesy of pianist Gabriel Longinos and soprano Pauline Labar Shelton. If you are visiting with us today, please put your name and location in the chat so that we can greet you and that we can say hello before we light our chalice, John has a few announcements.
1: We have three announcements this morning. The Widening the Circle group has a breakout room set up for after the service where you can sign up for one of the discussion groups reading Mistakes and Miracles beginning in May. Two of the facilitated groups will be held on Zoom. This is part of the First Unitarian's efforts to prepare for voting on the eighth principle at our next annual meeting. The entire congregation is invited to an all-church Easter party next Sunday after the in-person 11 o'clock service. Wear your most creative Easter bonnet and Sunday best for an all-ages Easter parade after the service. After that, our community's children will participate in an egg hunt in the courtyard. Coffee service will return for the first time on Easter. We encourage everyone to bring a coffee cup from home for their brew. Individually wrapped treats will also be available for donation to our new all church events fund. As part of this coming Easter weekend, the Reverend Bob will be leading an in-person Good Friday service this coming Friday, 7.30 p.m. In this UU Good Friday or Tenebrae service, we will consider the many kinds of crucifixions that occur in the world today. Our Good Friday service is a minimalist, lamentation with low lights and no music. In the spirit of that lamentation, participants are asked to enter and leave the sanctuary in silence. Feel free to have your chalice or candle at home ready to light in a moment when we light our church chalice. Before we light our chalices and candles though, Angela has a special announcement.
2: I do. My special announcement this morning is that we bid farewell today to pianist Gabriel Anguinos. Gabriel and his wife Shay Perry are moving to San Diego, where Shay has taken a new job as the personnel manager for the San Diego Symphony. Gabriel first joined our music program back in the fall of 2019. He shared his musical gifts as the accompanist for our Chalice Choir and for Sunday worship. We've worked with Gabriel throughout changes in his VSA status, as well as the restrictions of making music for worship during the pandemic. So a very flexible and uh, beautiful working relationship we've had with Gabriel. We are gonna miss him and Shay. Gabriel, thank you so much. And we just wish the best for both of you in your new adventures. Blessings.
1: Let the circle of this flame warm our community, strengthen our commitment to each other and to the earth, and inspire us to leave everything we touch a little bit better.
3: Join me in the children's affirmation. We are Unitarian Universalists. We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands.
4: Everybody, <laughs> We've been talking about how you know what your gifts are. Because it's hard to use our gifts for good if we can't really identify right away what they are. Sometimes it's good to ask our friends what they think our best gifts are. And other times we just know if we search around in our heart. Hey, Jesse, I don't know what my gifts are. Maybe I can help. Oh, yes. I would love that help. But I am very of this. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk to Benny. You got to kind of listen to what your own gifts are. Is that a special gift? Yeah, some kinds of gifts are are objects, like treasure in some form. Like, you have chocolates, gold sparkly chocolates. Ooh. Ah, if you wanted to give those away, you would spread a lot of... Happiness and yumminess. Some kinds of gifts are not something you can see. It's, Loyalty. Inside it is chocolate. Yeah. Inside. Friendship. Mm. Uh, kindness. Do you teach us how to dance. Woohoo! I can definitely teach you how to dance. That's my special gift. Do, do, do. Being curious? Wisdom? One of your gifts seems to be enjoying problem solving. Everyone has something that is worthy of sharing. My friends are very good to me. Oh, well that's really wonderful. Well that says a lot about you. I wonder... If you are very good to your friends, too. Are you sad? Sometimes I'm sad. Do you have any idea how to help me if I'm a little bit sad? What okay, are you doing? A somersault? You're me a somersault? You know how to cheer me up. This is what compassion looks like. The little one. Mina is snuggling up with the big one. Mina loves to take care of him. And he is so happy. I'm gonna give a be. Alright. Some gifts are been so wild sometimes. Oh, some gifts are when you're wild sometimes? Yeah. I, well, this guy is a little wild. Whoa, look at him. Mm hmm. one of those gifts that you don't want to give away. No. If you have something that is not worth sharing, do not give it away. Ugh. Mm. What is it? How about a little bit of small one? Okay. Sometimes when it's hard to give something away, that's because you can tell its value. Hey, Jesse. can I eat two? Just one. Just one? It can be really hard to share sometimes. Especially if it feels like there isn't enough for yourself. But one thing that's neat about sharing is if you are generous and you share, it means that, uh, well, it just feels good, usually. Also, it's kind of the right thing to do, usually. But also, a lot of times, what goes around comes around. So if I'm generous with Jesse, and then another day he's generous with me, we all have more. Sometimes it takes a while to to practice how we want to be.
3: Thanks.
4: Deep breaths. Oh. You want to try too. Okay. That was great. Thanks. What's this? It's going to work out. Okay. The youngest among us are so good at reminding us that it's true. You yourself are a good gift. Do nothing, and that's still true. But to act in love is to liberate. So whether you teach others to dance or sit beside someone in pain or offer your gold coins for the good work of this congregation, you are practicing love in action. And isn't this the faith that sets us free?
2: Ah, how sweet. (laughs) And now I invite you to enjoy the gift of some meditation time. So let's pause the chat for a few minutes right now. And whatever you're doing, if your camera is off because you're buzzing around your kitchen right now or (laughs) multitasking, that is relatable. I invite you to just pause for a minute, though. Don't let the moment pass you by. Go ahead and pause. Take a breath. All of us together. Check in with your body. See if there's something you can let soften, even just a little. Take another breath. Send some oxygen and some love to all those places in your body that hold tension. Close your eyes if you'd like to. Notice the part of you that's in contact with the floor or a seat, maybe even a bed, whatever you're resting upon right now. Let yourself feel grounded. Notice how that thing touches what's below it, what's below it, until finally, ultimately you're resting upon the earth. Notice how gravity pulls you toward the earth, and in the process we have this feeling of being held by whatever's beneath us. I invite you to breathe and soften and be held as we continue in two minutes of silence. And when you find yourself wandering in your mind, just gently bring it right on back.
1: We are not isolated beings. We are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to our community, and to one another. Please use the chat bar to share what is on your heart and to support others as they share what is on theirs. If you're unable to write in the chat bar, please contact the church office or email caring at uuabq.org. The video will prompt us first to share our joys and then later our concerns.
2: joys, and all of these concerns, we lift up to the great powers of healing, renewal, and celebration known by many names. And we lift up all of the unspoken prayers, the ones that are maybe too tender to share or too private. We lift up all of the longing, all the dreaming, lamentation, and praise. We lift up the prayers for our world, for all who are affected by war, and all who worry for them and love them all of these we lift up and I offer you this prayer now this is a prayer for a fresh and perhaps unremarkable morning a prayer to bring us to attention before the steadiness of the world sunrises and sunsets back and forth like the rocking of your grandmother's chair Life coming and going, rising and falling, droning and beating like ancient music. And you, remarkable for your ordinariness within it and your thinking about it and your yearning for meaning. You, dependent, spun into the interdependent web confined to a body, you, independent, conscious, free, and therefore sometimes also lonely, but unconfined in spirit. This is a prayer for you, for your well-being, your peace, your deep peace, and for everyone you love and for their well-being. And for the friends we haven't met yet, and for the strangers we'll never meet. But we are closer to them than we think. All of us, in the arms of the earth, our mother, with her rocking and singing. Amen. And peace be with you.
1: Reading this morning is titled Monarchs and Mysteries by Jane E. Malden. I am frequently astonished by monarch butterflies. Delicate beyond belief, they fly thousands of miles each year from all parts of the continent to settle in the forests of South America. To my delight, their migratory route takes them along a bridge near my home. A few days ago, I was driving on this bridge during their annual display of fragility and strength. As my car whipped by at over 60 miles per hour, the tiny creatures were tossed haphazardly by the winds. Yet I knew there was a continual southward purpose to their struggle. Much as I admired these fragile butterflies, I could not avoid hitting several of them. While orange wings smashed into my windshield, I remembered a chilling science fiction story I'd read as a child. A man of the near future travels back in time to the age of dinosaurs to sightsee in the era. Despite the tour guide's warnings, he leaves the path in his excitement while in the underbrush steps on and kills one tiny fragile butterfly. When he returns to his own time, the world is horribly different. People are much crueler and an international fascist government now rules. The death of one butterfly in the distant past has changed all of world history. As I travel the many miles of the bridge during the annual monarch butterfly migration, I wonder if I'm wreaking any changes in the world to come. What effect do my words and deeds, both on the bridge and off, make in the environment and in the human world? Surely they do, not, they do make a difference. Our kindness affects lives we will never see. Our cruelty casts ripples that may drown strangers. Whether smashing butterflies or helping a friend, our actions will echo through history. We will not always know the ramifications of our deeds, but they are there. We are surely connected one to another and each of us to the greater world of monarchs and mystery.
3: One of my
0: earliest memories of Palm Sunday when I was growing up as a kid was that the church I attended had a tradition of gathering all of us in the fellowship hall, usually on the Saturday afternoon the day before, where we would be greeted by a gigantic pile of long, spiny palm fronds sitting on one of the tables. And they would have All the kids and youth sit at one of the tables and pass around several of these palm fronds to each person. And someone, usually either the minister or the adult volunteer who had drawn the short straw that year, would show us how to fold the palm fronds into the small little crosses that they would give to people as they entered the church for the processional at one of the Palm Sunday services. Now inevitably, as you were folding the palms, some of them would break in half, or they would get tangled up into something that resembled more of a giant knot than a cross shape. But these would normally get thrown away in the trash, and we would just pick up another frond from our pile and start again. This would go on for several hours, usually with us chatting and joking back and forth to each other. And at least one soon-to-be intern minister and another person stopping to have a sword fight with two of the palms, until the pile of palm fronts had been turned into a nice, neat, uniform stack of crosses. And while you were encouraged to hold on to your palm cross and display it somewhere where you could see it in your daily life, I always clipped mine to the visor of my car. Most people would usually place theirs in a basket at the back of the sanctuary after the service. Those discarded palm crosses, the ones that we had spent an entire afternoon folding, would end up getting thrown into a fire and the resulting ashes would be saved for Ash Wednesday the next year. For granted the fact that there would always be a giant pile of palm fronds that would show up every year in the fellowship hall. It was not until later that I began to stop and think, where exactly did this pile of palm fronds come from? I grew up in both Oklahoma and Texas, and I can tell you that in neither state do palm trees grow natively. It had never crossed my mind that these palm fronds had come from somewhere else, likely from somewhere overseas, and what people had to go through in order to collect so many palm fronds to make up this giant pile. Aside from the palm fronds that we used to make the crosses, palm trees are also used to make hydrogenated palm oil, a product that is now used today in everything from soap to shampoo to lotion, to various other food items. You can go up to most vending machines, purchase any type of Little Debbie or Hostess snack, cake, or cookies, and if you turn the package over, you will find that palm oil is one of the first ingredients listed. Palm oil has become so lucrative that many countries around the world especially ones that are trying to develop their economies, are planting large groves of palm trees for the purposes of harvesting palm oil and exporting it worldwide. In 2016, there was a docu-series called Years of Living Dangerously that took famous Hollywood stars alongside environmental activists to various places around the world to illustrate the effects of climate change. In one particular episode, actor Harrison Ford was taken on a flyover of a large corporate palm grove in Indonesia that was used to produce and export palm oil. And he was shown how copious amounts of old-growth forests had been slashed and burned to make way for these palm groves, causing untold amounts of deforestation and displacing countless numbers of threatened and critically endangered species in the process. I sometimes wonder, since Palm Sunday is traditionally celebrated by Christians and others as the triumphant arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Easter season, that if Jesus were to arrive in the present day, what kind of world would they be coming into? What would they have to say about the world and the environmental state that it is currently in? The 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke in the Christian Scriptures, which is traditionally one of the texts that is read at Palm Sunday Services, talks about how Jesus openly wept while stopping to look over the city. Most biblical scholars say this is because Jesus was foretelling the crucifixion that was to come and the destruction of the Second Temple. But I wonder if the tears of Jesus today be because of the state of the world, because of climate change and environmental degradation. The idea of explicitly stating a commitment to maintaining stewardship of the environment as a people of faith was not one that was included when the Unitarian and Universalist churches merged in 1961. Although the newly formed denomination passed many social justice statements regarding the environment and environmental justice throughout the 1960s, it was not until the principles were revised in 1985 that the seventh principle as we know it today, the respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part, was included in that list. Even after its adoption as one of the principles that we affirm, its focus was not one that featured very highly in the lives of many congregations. It was for this reason that in 1989, a task force was formed to discuss ways about how to make the seventh principle more of a central focus to members, congregations, and the greater UUA as a whole. This resulted in the development of the Seventh Principle Project and the Green Sanctuary Handbook in 1991 which provided ideas for religious celebrations, educational opportunities, and ideas for community action to demonstrate ways to live out our commitment to respecting the interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part. In 2002, a program was added to allow congregations to become certified as green sanctuaries, displaying their commitment to live more in harmony with and respecting the environment. In fact, this church, First Unitarian, was the first congregation in New Mexico and one of the first congregations in the country to become certified as a green sanctuary later that same year. Since 2005, when the Seventh Principle Project became the UU Ministry for the Earth that it is today, it has supported a long series of social justice statements and actions of immediate witness at General Assembly and supports several programs that address solutions to a wide variety of environmental issues like climate change, ecosystem conservation and restoration, food justice, and sustainability. In addition, the UU Ministry for the Earth, or UUMFE for short, also does a large amount of their work in frontline solidarity by, quote, centering the needs, voices, and leadership of those who are most disproportionately affected by environmental degradation and climate change, including indigenous and low-income peoples, peoples of color, island nations, and youth. In addition to those social justice groups within the UUA, many congregations across the country are also part of and partner with interfaith organizations that are working collaboratively for environmental justice and climate change. One of the most well-known of these kinds of groups is Interfaith Power and Light, which was started in 1998 by a coalition of Episcopal churches in California who were committed to purchasing renewable energy. The project quickly broadened its focus and expanded to include members of other faith traditions to become California Power and Light in 2000. The organization's model has expanded to include similar chapters in 40 states, including New Mexico Power and Light, based right here in Albuquerque, with which this church has had a long-term partnership. I could spend an entire sermon just listing off various environmental justice groups and the work that they do. But I keep going back to the image of Jesus weeping while standing above the city of Jerusalem. In the grand scheme of things for us, as you use, Easter is a cultural holiday that is observed every year. The story of Jesus may not have the meaning for some of us anymore that it once did, or ever did for that matter. But the themes that come with the observance of Easter, new life, flourishing, and hope, are ones that I still frequently think about this time of year. Specifically, the concept of new life is one to which I keep coming back. The question that I always ask is, how is life that comes after Easter any different? What about life has
3: changed with the arrival of Easter? Has anything changed?
0: It is the same concern that I hear from Jane Maudlin in the reading for today. What effect do my words and deeds have on the environment and the human world? We will not always know the ramifications of our deeds, but they are there. If not for us in the present, then for the generations that are to come later on. Will this beautiful natural world that I enjoy, which has been such a comfort to me during times of pandemic, be still there in 10 or 20 years? Will the same birds and animals I see outside of my window be there to bring me joy as I watch them going about living their lives? And if, by chance, all of it is still there, will it look the same? This is one of those annoyingly frustrating sermons. Where I do not have an answer to give you about how we solve the problems of environmental degradation and climate change. As much as I may be able to offer hope that things will look the same, the reality is that I cannot promise that. None of us can promise that. Yet, what I can tell you is that Just like the pile of palms that I never gave a second thought to on Palm Sunday, I am beginning to think differently about the environment and the part that I play in it. I cannot single-handedly turn the clock back on climate change as much as I would like to, but I am starting to think about the ways that I can try to leave the environment in the best conceivable way for those that are to come. On this Palm Sunday, and as we move closer to Easter, perhaps we can take a moment as a spiritual practice to try and do the same. May it ever continue to be so. Blessed be. Amen. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum.
3: Namaste. Thank you all so much.
1: We take our offering with these words from the Taoist tradition. The way of the universe is to remove surplus and transfer it to the empty. Who can transfer their own surplus to those in need? Those people who follow the Tao. Our Change for the Future organization for March through May is the Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico, providing advocacy, education, and direct services in gender, gender nonconforming, non-binary, and gender-variant people and their families. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line if appropriate.
2: generously given is received with gratitude thank you on behalf of the congregation and on behalf of the transgender resource center of new mexico we are nearing the end of this formal service now and you can stay on as you wish as always uh, to chat with small groups in our virtual coffee hour if you'd like to do that just stay through the postlude at the end and we'll automatically give you an invitation to join a small group Before we do wrap up though, I want to invite you to put your screen in gallery view if possible, and if you'd like to turn your video on, this is a good time for that. And just look at each other and extend the Pacham or peace greeting with one hand over your heart and the other reaching toward your fellow UUs and guests. Peace. Peace to each of you. Whether you continue in a small group conversation or some other conversations in your day, you might like to have a discussion prompt. There are so many big, huge issues we face. It can make us feel so very tiny. Today's reading, though, was about the way even seemingly small actions can sometimes have a really big impact. So a discussion prompt is, what examples have you seen of that? And knowing that such a thing is possible, what actions are you inspired to take and when? What examples have you seen of that? And knowing such a thing is possible, what actions are you inspired to take and when?
0: We extinguish our flame, but we kindle its light in our hearts and carry it into the world so that it may shine a little bigger and brighter for ourselves and for all others who may share in it. Our service is ended, but my friends, your service has just begun. Go in
3: peace, go in joy, go in love. Blessed be.